begin the kingdom of God, to begin to hit on what the kingdom of God is, we have to go all the way to the beginning. Anytime you want to understand a subject, this is general, this is anything that you want to study out, you need to go to the foundation. The foundation is where everything starts. The building that we're in today started with the concrete slab that we're standing on right now. One day, somebody decided to build a building on this property. They did not begin with the roof. They did not begin with the walls. They did not begin with the lighting, the AC. They didn't start and and drop a toilet in here and then said, okay, let's build a building around that. They started with a foundation, the concrete. Why? The ceiling is not here without this. These walls are not here without this. The lights and the electrical are not operating without the foundation. And if we don't have a solid foundation, if we don't go back and focus on the foundation, then we miss uh, why everything is here. We miss all this. So we have to go back to the foundation. We have to go back to the basis. Well, where does the Bible start? Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, we know that God created heaven and earth. God created the sky. God created the light. God created animals. God created plants, water. Everything that is on this earth was created by God. And there's nothing in this earth that was created that was not created by him. Period. We know this. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. I'm going to go ahead and turn there. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26 this is where man comes into the picture and this is where it gets this is where it gets important this is where we have to focus and we have to see what God was doing here first of all let me say this real quick let's go ahead and let's go ahead and define some terms I said that we would define some terms what is a kingdom a kingdom is a domain where a king rules very simple A kingdom is a domain. What's a domain? A territory. We are kings in certain aspects. The father is the king of his house. That's his territory. Uh, If you're a business owner, you are a king in that territory. That's where you rule. That's where what you say goes. Very simple. God's kingdom was in heaven. But God did not want his kingdom to stay in heaven. God wanted to expand God wanted to extend himself. He wanted to extend his rule to the earth. That's why he created the earth. But now here in verse 26, look what God does here. He says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, cattle over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. What is he doing right here? God has just created the earth. He's just extended his territory beyond heaven into a seen realm. And then he immediately turns over the dominion or the rule to someone else. Now, this is still being done in the earth today. There are kingdoms in the earth. We have a united kingdom, England. They are a kingdom. They are ruled by a king and queen. And they have extended their rule to other territories. The Bahamas being one of them. The Bahamas used to be a colonization of 
England. But the king did not rule the Bahamas. The king of England did not rule the Bahamas from, Eng- from England. He set someone up over that territory. So we still see this being done today. This is a government system that we're looking at. And the, the thing that turns us off here is that we've seen government fail. We've seen the failures in government. We've seen uh, government and what it's done over the past centuries, and especially over the past years, and especially in America, that we've seen government fail people, that the government uh, is now relying on people instead of people being able to rely on their government. It's backwards now. But this isn't how God wanted it to be. God set up a government in place, and he placed man in charge of the earth. That means that we were to rule this earth as God would rule this earth. That's what we were supposed to do. That's why we're here. Adam and Eve in the garden, we go back and we think that they were just laying around uh, in grass, uh, naked, just enjoying each other and enjoying the world that God had given them and being able to eat of anything and everything that they wanted to except for one tree. Okay, that's what we think. But this is not so. He had assignments. Adam, first of all, was given the assignment of naming all the animals. And there were rules. They were to uh, take care of the earth. The earth was in their uh, domain. The earth was in their, um, their rulership to guard over and to take care of it. They were supposed to cause it to be fruitful and multiply. And they were supposed to be fruitful and multiply. These are assignments. These are tasks that they were given. And then they were given one rule. One rule. Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Very simple. Now, we all know what treason is. Treason is where you rebel against your government and you sell out your government and obey another form of government. Very simple. This is treason. This is exactly what took place in the garden. Exactly what took place. Someone came into the garden, had a different idea of how to do things other than God, who was Adam and Eve's king, who was their ruler. God's given the commandments. He's told them what to do. And how many of you would agree with me that God had their best interest at heart? Can we agree on that? Can we say that God did not create rules? Uh, Jimmy and Nikki, if you tell Lexi not to run in the street, do you have her best interest at heart? Yes. You did not just create a rule to say, I just feel like ruling over Lexi and telling her what to do and keeping her from having fun playing in the street. No, you don't want her to get smashed by a car coming down 50 miles an hour. We have rules. God set up rules as a king and uh, placed us in a position that if we would just simply follow those rules, we would have the best life ever. We know this. I mean, people call the Garden of Eden paradise. And we can literally say that that's what that was. And that's what God wanted for his people. So we see here uh, in Genesis chapter 3 that Satan shows up in the form of a serpent, causes man to sin. This is what sin is. Again, we're defining terms. Sin is simply disobeying the word of the king. That's what sin is. Any sin that I could give to you right now or that you could think of in your head right now is simply reverted back to 
disobedience. That's all it is. That's why Jesus, when he showed up, he said, uh, I've, you've heard the Ten Commandments, you know, don't kill, don't steal, uh, don't lie, honor your father and mother, don't worship false images. He, he reiterated those, but then he said, but I give you one commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Second commandment is, is just like it. Love, the, love your neighbor as yourself. So he just took all ten commandments and broke them down into one commandment, simply love the Lord your God. Because if you love God, you won't sin. And if you don't sin, you don't disobey. That's all, that's all that this sin stuff is. If I kill somebody, I disobey God. If I lie to my parents, I disobey God. If I cheat, I disobey God. I mean, it can always be reverted back to this. Man has set up the system of which ones are worse and which penalties you get for what you do. If you murder someone, you get life where you get taken out yourself. But if you lie, you get a slap on the wrist. Uh, Man has developed this, but to God it's all the same. It's all simply disobedience. So that's what Adam and Eve did in the garden. They sinned. They disobeyed their king. Because of this, their authority was turned over. Remember, God placed us in charge. Created the earth. He said, now you rule it the way I would rule. The way I rule heaven, you rule it. There's no sickness in heaven, no sickness on earth. No lack in heaven, no lack on earth. No depression in heaven, no depression on earth. Very simple. And when Adam and Eve sinned, they simply turned over their authority. Your authority in this earth is directly related to your ability to remain in submission to the king. Period. And we see this throughout the word of God. Uh, You think of King Saul. King Saul in the book of Samuel. He uh, disobeyed God. He was told to go into this country He was told to kill everything, kill the other king, take nothing. What does he do? He listens to the people. He starts taking stuff. King's still alive. There's cows and stuff going crazy behind him. Samuel shows up and says, what have you done? And God, at the end of that chapter, 1 Samuel, I believe it's chapter 15, God says, I am stripping you of your authority as king. His authority is... And his ability to remain in authority in the earth as king was directly related to on his ability to stay in, uh, in submission to the king. If you can't listen to authority, you will have no authority. This is very simple. If you can't listen to authority and you can't obey authority and you can't submit to authority, you will not walk in authority yourself, both naturally and spiritually. Don't expect to rebuke the, uh, rebuke the devil off of your life and tell sickness to get off your life and tell all these things to leave your life if you're not even living in submission to the king, to God. Very simple. But you know what? As soon as we become righteous, as soon as we get in right standing with our king, then we can expect these things to happen in our life. We can expect these things to happen. In fact, you can trust in God that he will take care of these things for you because you're in righteousness. And here's what righteousness is. Again, another term. 
Righteousness is simply being in right standing with the authority. Now, we've made this a religious term. We've made this, um, you know, a, a Christian term. But let me show you a righteous act that everyone can understand. I go down the road here, and right before I get to I-75, there's a stoplight. It's red. What do I do? Stop. Stop. (laughs) Guess what? I was just righteous. That's a righteous act. Why? Because I was in right alignment with the authority of the state of Georgia. That's a righteous act. So righteousness is simply put, being in right standing with the authority, with the governing authority. If I'm righteous in God's eyes, that means that I am doing what he's asked me to do. Okay? So here's where we're at. We have just seen Adam and Eve, who God has placed in the garden to rule and to reign in this territory, in this dominion on earth. They've been given specific tasks, but they hand all that over to the enemy. They forfeit their, their authority for their, un, for their inability to remain in submission to God. Okay? So their purpose is gone. Their authority in the earth is gone. Um, and sin and death have now entered the world. We've asked this question, if Adam and Eve had never sinned, where would they be today? Where would they be? Uh, It's hard-pressed to find any answer other than right here. Right here. Because the only reason death came into the world is because they sinned, because they disobey God. Now, this is causing us to to think a little bit. This is causing us to, to, to start, you know, gears are turning in our brains now. We're starting, wow. I mean, you literally tell me that Adam and Eve could be here today. That's what God intended. Death was, was not in play before Adam and Eve sinned. Death was not a thought process. God was taking care of everything, okay? So this is where we're at. The enemy is now ruling over this place, over the earth. But God immediately, God immediately put into plan, put into place a plan to get man back in that position. And this was Jesus Christ. This was Jesus. God sent his son to this earth. Um, You know, we can make some statements that can move some people pretty quickly. Um, I'm going to hold off real quick because I want to explain some things before I get there. But Jesus, when he came to this earth, as soon as he hit the ground with his ministry, he was speaking the kingdom of God. Why? That's why he was here, to reintroduce people back to the kingdom of God, to show people this is why you're on the earth, to answer their reasons for purpose, to answer their reasons. Here's what crept in before Jesus came in. Before Jesus came into the picture, Before Jesus came to this earth, we have uh, basically what we call religion. Religion is simply a bunch of laws, a bunch of do's and don'ts, and God never intended for religion to come into this earth. He wanted the kingdom. He wanted people to obey him out of their heart, not because it's written on stone. 
period. When God wrote the Ten Commandments and gave them to Moses, he wanted his people to follow those Ten Commandments because they loved him out of their heart, not because God said to. And the whole time, throughout the Old Testament, I mean, you go back and look throughout the entire Old Testament, and repeatedly God is calling his people back to simply hearken your ear to my sayings. Obey my commands. Do what I'm asking you to do, and your life will be prosperous. You will have long life. You'll have overflow. You'll have abundance. But God's people, the Israelites, they kept falling back into this trap of wanting to do their own thing. And see, this is where the American society, this message, I believe, is, is so needed in America. Because we live in a society where government tells you, be yourself. Do what you want to do. If it feels good, do it. And this is the furthest thing from the kingdom of God. God's kingdom is about finding out what the king wants you to do and following that in your life. Finding out what God wants you to do. You know, there's one thing that we, you know, um, obviously the, uh, the children's pastor down in St. Augustine, there's one thing that we tell our parents is, uh, don't, tell your, don't tell your kids that they can do whatever they want to do when they grow up. Or they can be whatever they want to be. They need to be what God wants them to be. What's the plan that God has for them? You know, you, uh, we, we've got teenagers that are, are going through high school and they're starting to think about college and they're starting to think about what they want to do with their lives and, and what they want to be. Find out what God wants you to be because that's the most important thing. You know, all of us, even us as adults, I mean, I, I got this message when I was uh, 26 years old. I wish I would have heard this message when I was 8 when I was 10, when I was 14, when I was 17, before I ever got out of high school. This would have completely changed my entire uh, high school. And, and I followed God. I mean, right after high school, I went straight to Bible school. But the intentions were different. My intentions today are different than they were prior to June 7, 2009. My focus is different. I've always wanted to pastor. I've always wanted to uh, senior pastor and, and, and play in a church. And, and grow it up. That's always been my heart. But my focus is different now. My focus now is to equip people. Whereas before it was about me. And not that I just wanted the fame and the glory from it. Because I'll tell you right now, pastoring is not a, a fame and glory position. It's not where you go when you want people to be excited about you. You know, Pastor Earl says, you're always one message away from ticking somebody off. Like, you know, I can be your best friend today and Sunday stays something and, oh, now I'm on your bad side. But it's the word of God. I'm, I'm not saying this on my own. This isn't my opinion. This is the word that I'm bringing you. And the thing that God wants most from his people when they hear his word is change. The, the thing that I come to church now with, whether I'm, whether I'm teaching or I'm listening, is where... How will I think differently today? Every service. Every time I hear the word. Every time I hear the pastor. Every time I read the word. Every time I listen to somebody. I'm always thinking, how is this going to change the way I think for the rest of my life? Because you know what? I don't know it all. And I may have seen things wrong. I may have seen things in the wrong light. I may have seen things with the wrong intentions. 
But God, I just want to understand your word, and I want to understand what it says about my life, and I want to change. Here's another defining a terms for you. Jesus shows up on the scene, Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. He says, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. This word repent, we have, uh, we have drawn this word back to simply a prayer. Have you said the prayer of repentance? We've basically lowered the word repent or repentance to an apology. I'm sorry for what I've done. Please forgive me. I won't do it again. Let me tell you what this word repent really means. This word repent is simply this. Change the way you think. That's what repentance is. Jesus is showing up on the scene, and he's saying, repent. Change the way you think. Change your thought process, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Because my kingdom, my Father's kingdom, is here. What's at hand mean? At hand simply means it's near. It's near you. Why? Because the king is on the earth. For the first time ever, the king is on the earth. But see, remember what God did back in Genesis. He turned over dominion and rulership to who? Man. So God, being king, anytime a king says something or speaks something, it becomes a law. That's what the law is. It's simply the word. And the law is so binding that not even the king himself can reverse it. This is a true statement. When a king creates a law or makes a law, it is irreversible. We see this in the book of uh, Daniel, when Daniel was thrown in the, in the lion's den. And the king at that time, King Darius, had made a law. If you pray to anybody else other than me, you will be thrown in the lion's den. Not knowing he was being trapped by Daniel's haters, he loved Daniel. But King Darius could not just show up and say, oh, oh I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. Uh, no, forget it. I didn't realize you were trying to trap me and get Daniel. He had to go through with it. He had to throw Daniel in the lion's den. When the king says something, when it becomes, when he, when he speaks a word, it becomes law. So what God did in Genesis 1.26 is he made it a law that if anything is going to change in the earth, if any kind of dominion is going to be exercised, any kind of authority is going to be exercised in the earth, it has to be through a man. So what does God do? He sends his son in the form of a man. And that man lives on the earth for 33 years. Didn't begin his ministry until he was 30 years old. And as soon as he starts ministering, he is ministering, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then you look through, you look through Matthew, you look through Mark, you look through John, you look through Luke, and all he talked about was the kingdom. Everywhere he's going. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of God is like a field. The kingdom of God is like a man who finds a, a priceless pearl. The kingdom of God is like a treasure. The kingdom of God is like this. And the kingdom of God is like, I mean, he's obsessed with it. That's all he's talking about. It's, it, everywhere he goes, he's talking about the kingdom. What's he doing? He's bringing people back to why they are here. Because God did not make a mistake God did not regret what he did. 
God did not hate the fact that, man, you know, this, this plan was dumb. Uh, you know what? Let's just get them all back to heaven. Was, was it ever God's plan that Adam and Eve would ever live in heaven? We don't see that. They were intended to rule on the earth. They were intended to live on the earth. So now Jesus, Jesus shows up on the scene, is talking about this kingdom, the kingdom that's on earth. He says the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, but he tells us that it's here. He says it's at hand. It's near. God did not uh, see what man did and see what happened to man and say, you know what, forget it. Let's just get them all back to heaven. Let's just get them all here. He didn't do that. He made a way that we could live on this earth and live like Adam and Eve lived. Live. Now, here's the difference. Whereas in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, uh, the kingdom of God was in place in the world. Now Jesus says, um, uh, Brother Kirk, I don't know if you can help me where uh, Jesus says the kingdom is within you. The kingdom is within you. Now Jesus says the kingdom is within you. He made this statement. The kingdom is not w- out here, and we can see that. Things are dying. Things are crazy. Things are going to hell in a handbasket. I mean, we see the world that we live in. But Jesus now is saying, but if you accept me and you accept what I do for you, I'm placing the kingdom of God within you. Which means that if the kingdom of God, if the kingdom of God is going to be in this earth, it's going to come through man. It's going to come through you. So it's up to you to shut up the kingdom or to let out the kingdom. It's up to you to let the kingdom advance through you. Or you can keep it within you. And see, this is... Let me tell you how the enemy works. Because this is going to help us understand uh, some things here. Because here's the first thought process I had when I heard this. And I literally got angry. I got upset. Because I'm wondering, I'm 26 years old. Why have I never heard this? I mean, I grew up in church. I grew up around some prominent uh, people that I still respect to this day. That know the word. Why am I not hearing this? Why have I never heard the kingdom? Why have I never heard that God placed me on this earth to rule and reign? I'm not here just to go to heaven. I'm not here just to wait until God, all, God comes down and takes us to heaven. And during that time, I'm just supposed to, to lay back in sorrow. Thank you very much. I'm not just supposed to lay back and, and let things happen to me and let sickness overcome my life and let people that I love see get hurt and die and not be able to do anything about it. Why have I not heard this? Why have I not heard that I have a purpose and that I can change things because the kingdom of God is within me? And this is how the enemy works. He works, his number one weapon is deception. That's his number one weapon. It's not sickness. It's not death. It's deception by deceiving people. If he can deceive you, you're worse off than someone who's sick. And what is deception? It's simply believing something false to be true. That's what deception is. It's simply believing that something that isn't true is true. And the problem when you're deceived is you don't know you're deceived. That's the problem we run into. 
Because when you're really deceived, you think that that's the truth. And so uh, in this thing, I'm not saying that we were deceived. I'm not even saying that I was deceived. But things were hidden. Things were hidden. And we see this over in Matthew chapter 13. Jesus is telling a parable. He spoke in parables for a specific reason. Jesus was speaking a, a parable. And then his disciples turn around and they say, now what did you mean by that? He was given the parable of the sower. We all remember the parable of the sower. He, one, one man sowed some seed and it fell by the wayside. Another fell uh, on uh, thorny ground and it got choked out. Another uh, fell among another type of soil and another fell on good soil. We've heard this. He tells this to a multitude of people, tons of people. And then 12 people turn around and ask him, now what did you mean by that? And he turns around and he says, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Why is the kingdom a mystery? Why is it a mystery? Why can't you just put it out there? So things were hidden. Things were hidden. And the people that find out what the kingdom is all about are those that sacrifice to know. Here's why Jesus didn't explain the kingdom to the multitudes. These are just people that just got hooked up with Jesus and heard about the great things he did. Uh, you know this, that they always said, you know, we heard about the Jesus that did miracles. We heard about the Jesus that raised the dead. We heard about the Jesus that cast out demons. We heard about it. We just wanted to come see a big show. That's what the multitudes were about. But the 12 disciples, were they that way? Nope. They left homes. They left families. They left jobs. They left careers to follow this man. So what is Jesus saying? He's saying, to you it's been given to know the mystery of the kingdom because you have made the sacrifice to know what the kingdom is all about. And then what, he, what does he do? In the next several verses, he explains it. He didn't explain it to the multitude. He explained the mystery of the kingdom to his disciples. Okay, so this is how the enemy works. You know, the enemy works in deception. He's been trying to hide this thing for years. If he can get it hidden and get people uh, to, to preach something other than the kingdom, then he's actually doing better than just taking that person out. Because now that person can cause and get all kinds of followers to go after something that's not even true or not even the whole truth. Okay, so that's why... Uh, Jesus, when he shows up on the scene, he's ministering in the kingdom. He's preaching the kingdom. He's teaching the kingdom. I mean, he was went about his entire ministry. Then Jesus does something three years later. <clears throat> he dies on a cross. He rises again, and he goes to heaven. But before he went to heaven, let's look at it. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. We've already seen in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus began his ministry. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We saw in Luke 17 verse 21 that he said, the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God is within you. But now look over here in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verse 1, it says, The former account I made, O Theophilus, this is the, uh, Luke speaking. 
He wrote the book of Acts. So the former account he's talking about is obviously Luke. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering. This is after Jesus died. He showed himself alive by many infallible proofs, being seen by them 40 days. And look at this. Speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So Jesus starts his ministry preaching about the kingdom. Jesus, his entire ministry, preaching about the kingdom. Now he dies and rises again. I don't know about you, but I would think that's pretty cool, dying and then coming back to life. And that's probably for the next 40 days, that's all I'm going to be talking about. Guys, you should, you, should you should have seen, I mean, I was dead. I was dead three days, and now I'm alive. And what's he talking about? He's speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom. He's right back on the kingdom. I'm telling you, man, the guy is obsessed with the kingdom. He's absolutely obsessed with it. His very last words were the kingdom. But look at this further on down here. In verse 6, his disciples, they say, Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? It's just so funny because the disciples, they still don't quite understand it. They still don't quite grasp it. They don't quite grasp what the kingdom is all about. Because they're looking for a literal kingdom. And Jesus has already said that the kingdom is within you. Let me tell you this. God is not going to establish another government system on the earth like a literal government system that we see. That's what his disciples thought they were looking for. Is this, are you going to establish this kingdom now? I mean, uh, when Jesus went before uh, Pontius Pilate, right before he was about to be killed, right, right before he was about to be sentenced to death, in John chapter 18, he stands before Pontius Pilate, and he says, uh, and he's talking about the kingdom of God. And Pilate's thinking he's talking about a literal kingdom. And he's not. I mean, Jesus even went as far as to say, look, man, if I was talking about a real kingdom, I'd have people right here on your doorstep ready to take you out, to protect me and to save me and to get me back. He said, I'm not talking to you about a literal kingdom. I'm talking to you about the kingdom of God, I'm talking to you about the kingdom of heaven. So right here, his disciples, you know, they've been around him for three years, day in and day out, and they still don't quite understand it. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And in verse 7, he says, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So now he's sending his disciples out to, one, go to Jerusalem and receive the Holy Spirit, to empower them to do what? To be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So now he's sending out those disciples that he's been living with, he's been training, he's been uh, uh, leading for the last three years, to follow, that have followed him around everywhere he's gone, and now he's sending them out and equipping them to do the same thing he had just spent the last three years doing. This is the kingdom. He brought the kingdom. He restored people. Let me say this. And again, 
when I make these statements, don't lock up on me. We need to keep, we need, you know, the world calls it brainwashing. The world calls it brainwashing. And so we look down on when people try to tell us things and try to say keep an open mind or, uh, you know, allow yourself to change your thinking. We look down on that because the world calls it brainwashing. They say, oh, you just got brainwashed. Oh, they just got to you because you're supposed to be able to hold your own mentality. You're supposed to think on whatever you want. We need today to make the decision in our life that we are going to believe what the Bible says. That's what I want to believe. I don't want to go around believing what the majority believes. I don't want to go around just finding myself believing what my parents believed. I don't want to go around finding myself just believing what I heard growing up in church my entire life. I want to know what the Bible says. And I want to believe what the Bible says. And it's very simple because the Bible is very clear. People have made the Bible to be a complex book. People have made it to be uh, something that's hard to study and is, there's a lot of hidden meanings behind things. And this is why we have so many denominations and this is why we have so many religions is because we got so many people believing what they want to believe rather than just believing what the Bible says. But here's the difference. There's two ways to look at the Bible. You can look at the Bible as information or you can look at the Bible as revelation. When the Bible becomes revealed to you, it becomes clear. And that's why his disciples are saying, is this when your, your kingdom's going to come to Israel? And what does he tell them to do? He says, you ain't got it yet, but that's all right. Go to Jerusalem, wait for me, and receive the Holy Spirit. Now, who is this Holy Spirit? Is this the first time he's mentioned the Holy Spirit to his disciples? No. In fact, in John, when he was sitting at the Last Supper, how many of you know that when you're spending your last moments with somebody, you're going to talk about stuff that's pretty important? He spends his last moments with his disciples talking about the Holy Spirit. And he tells them what the Holy Spirit does, who the Holy Spirit is, He's defining all this for them. So now he's sending them and saying, you need to go be filled with the Holy Spirit. When you receive the Holy Spirit, my words will no longer just be information. You won't be looking for a literal kingdom. You won't be taking all this kingdom stuff literally. You will see the kingdom for what it is, that it's within you, and it's the reason I came. Jesus did not come to this earth to die on the cross to get you to heaven. He didn't. <laughs> That's probably one of the hardest statements I'll ever have to make. But he didn't. Jesus' purpose for dying on the cross was deeper than that. It was beyond that. And we've heard this our entire lives. Those of you that have been in church for your entire lives, it doesn't matter if you came into church yesterday or if you came in when you were born. 30 years ago, 25 years ago, 40 years ago. It doesn't matter. It's something that we've always heard. 
And again, we have to look at the word. Let me show you Luke chapter 4. And I'll close with this. I know that <clears throat> I know that it's deep. Luke chapter 4 verse 42. Now when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place. And the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also. Because for this purpose I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. He didn't say my purpose was to die on the cross. He didn't say my purpose. Let me show you what dying on the cross was. Dying on the cross was not the end. It was a means to an end. It was a means to an end. He died on the cross to give us entrance into the kingdom. Jesus made the statement himself. He said, I am the way the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. But when you come into the kingdom, is that the end? Or is that the beginning? And see, for so long, we've made coming into the kingdom the end. I've arrived. It's the beginning, guys. It's the beginning. It's why you're here. I can preach this to save people. I can preach this to unsaved people. I can preach this to five-year-olds. I can preach this to 85-year-olds. And it will mean the same to everybody because it's about your purpose. It's about why you're here. It's about your influence. See, this message keeps you from just going to your job and just seeing it as a way to make money. This message keeps you from going into your schools and just seeing it as a, as a way to get an education. This message keeps you from going into a marriage and just seeing it as a person that I fell in love with and will make a family with. It keeps you from uh, being a father and just saying, I want to be a good dad to these kids. Because God has placed us here for a higher calling than just going through the rigmarole of life. There's more to it. He is trying to establish the Garden of Eden back in this earth. Now when I say that, I'm not talking about paradise. I'm not talking about no death. That's going to happen. Again, it's law. God put that into place. But while we're on this earth... We're not to be just looking for a ticket to heaven. Because I'm going to tell you right now, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be oddly surprised when they get to heaven and find out that they actually had an assignment on the earth and they didn't fulfill it because they were waiting to get to heaven. Look, the power and the authority that you have on this earth you cannot exercise it in heaven. There is a king there already. 
are you, are you going to override God? Are you going to say, don't worry, God, I got this? He's the king. That's his kingdom. What's a kingdom? A king's domain, the territory in which he rules. So God has you on this earth to rule and to reign. Look, there, nothing should control you. Nothing should rule over you. Nothing should tell you what to do or dictate your life. Every drug can be traced back to the earth. It belongs to the earth. Marijuana is a plant. Beer comes from plants. People are addicted to these things, and it's the earth ruling them rather than them ruling the earth. Money comes from paper. Paper comes from trees, the earth. And people are being dictated by their money and by their checkbook and by what they think they should put their money to. This is very broad. This is very generic. But it's very deep at the same time. And these are all things that we'll get into. I haven't even touched the first thing that I was going to talk about tonight. Have I touched one? I haven't touched one. Because this is important. I'm telling you, this message absolutely changed my life. And if we grab a hold of this, if we remain teachable, this is probably one of the number one things that Paul had an issue with with people in the church is they simply would not remain teachable. We want to come to church and, th- and hope that we hear the pastor say something that we already believe and already know. The Word does two things in our lives. This Bible, the Word of God, will either form a new belief within you or strengthen a belief within you. It should always do one of those two things. And for some reason, we're afraid of it forming new beliefs. Change. But it's the number one thing that Jesus preached. Is it possible that we could come to church and hear something in a service that would just be like, man, I never saw it that way. I'm going to study it out. I'm going to study that out. I'm going to look at that further. I'm not saying believe me because I'm saying it. Hear me now. I'm not saying go home and take this as doctrine because Pastor Mark preached at an Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. Do not do that. That will get you in a whole mess of trouble. But study it out. Look for it in the Word. And don't be afraid to study the Word. The worst you could do is prove me wrong and find out that it really is another way. But if I'm not wrong, then I'm preaching truth and we need to line our lives up with that. This is exciting. This is better than God, you know, Jesus came and he died on the cross so one day we could get to heaven in the sweet by and by. But, you know, that that devil, that mean old devil... He's just tearing us up. I mean, look at the world. The world is lost because they're controlled by their father, the devil. But I believe that we have a different father. A father who gives us life. And life more abundantly. Satan came to this earth to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And you want I mean... You want to go kingdom with with the devil. The whole reason he got cast out is because he tried to get higher than the king. Pride in heaven 
get you kicked out. So we, we want to keep this aspect. We want to keep our minds open. Uh, what I'm teaching on, on these Wednesdays, and apparently I'll be starting it next week, is kingdom mind renewal. Changing our thinking and our mentality to live. Look, if you want to live a certain way, you need to think a certain way. How you think determines how you live, period. You won't go anywhere. You can't go mentally. If I'm in debt up to my ears and I want to get out of debt, i got to see myself out of debt mentally before I can get out of debt physically. If I'm sick, I need to get healed mentally, get the healing in my mind, get in the word. And what does the word say about my sickness? What does the word say about this disease? What does the word say about sickness in my body? Do I have to put up with it? Do I have to deal with it? Did God put it on my body? Did he not put it on my body? Who put it on my body? What does the word say about it? Study that out. Get here first in the mind. And then we can get out. So we're not going to live like a kingdom citizen if we don't think kingdom mentality. And that's what Jesus was trying to do the whole time. Repent. Change your thinking. Who's he talking to? He's talking to people that have been bound by religion. He's talking to people that have been bound by rules and do's and don'ts. I mean, you look at the religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees. I mean, that's all they, that's all they were all about was the do's and the don'ts and do this and don't do this. But Jesus came back and he brought the he brought the law to a whole new standard. And he said, repent, change your thinking. That's what we need to do. For this church to get where we need to get, for this church to do what we need to do in this city and in the surrounding counties and to set this nation ablaze begins right here. Begins right here. We've got to change our thinking. Amen? Amen? I'll pray. Father, I thank you for this evening.